on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Job Dean Cox again, this time he's in! At the second time of asking, Dean Cox takes Leighton Orient a step closer to Wembley. Carroll. Jonathan Tahue. Capable of anything. Tahue! Equaliser for Leighton Orient! We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer our bows on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We're late and Orion from E10 well, good evening to you all, wherever you may be. Hope you're well and you've had a great week. Welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour. And I'm joined in the studio this evening by Simon Cooper and Tony Smith. And uh, Tony, yeah, it's all smiles all around, isn't it? It ought to be. There's still a couple of people moaning in the crowd before we score, but it all could be all smiles because it doesn't get any better than this, does it? You know, just enjoy yourselves, everyone. Good man, good man. Simon, it's been a bit of a rush. You got here last second, didn't you? That's what a professional does, Andy. Turn up right on, right on time. Doesn't yeah. moan about it. He did. <laughs> literally, literally, the, the, I was about to put the theme tune on and, and then there's a face at the window and it's Simon. I thought, oh my goodness, last minute boy. Last minute, but he got here in time. So let's, um, first of all, before we hear uh, Richie Wellen's view of the match on Saturday, um, <sighs> It, it was well. We played a bit of a get out of jail free card at the end, but Tony, you you were confident that we were by far the better team. I thought we were far the better team second half. First half. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Tony, go and jump on that microphone over there. There is a problem with that. Uh, it's a day of beset of problems. I'll tell you about it later, folks, the problems that we've had today. But I'll tell you I what. I thought we were by far the better team in the second half. The first half was a bit nervous all round. I think the uh, Carlisle manager alluded to that, and I think he was right on that one. But um, what a day. I mean, if you can't enjoy yourselves on a day like that with, with all that happened, then I don't understand why you come to the game, really. You know, it was wonderful. And I think most of the people enjoyed it. They certainly enjoyed the result at the end of the game, but marvellous stuff. You're a, you're a happy man. And Simon, it, sometimes you need a little bit of luck in football. And do you think we, we got ours on Saturday? It was a bit of luck with the goal, obviously. I think, I mean, I know there's been a bit of a mixed reaction from various people on whether we were the better team or not, and maybe a draw was a fair, fair, fair result. Personally, I thought we looked stronger until the sending off. We looked like mm. we were going to score, and we did score. And I think if we not, Kelman hadn't got sent off, we probably would have got another goal. I thought we were pushing mm. and it felt like we were playing good football. So well, you've got to change everything, haven't you? When that's that, once that player goes off, you've yeah, exactly. now got to just change what yeah. you're set up completely. But, you know, what a let off because that was a great chance for Carlisle, wasn't it, with the equalising? Yeah, goal. but um, Viggs' touch made a difference. Every little bit of that 
made a difference. He kind of stumbled. He couldn't get, get his foot around it. Um, so, yeah, it was a let off, but yeah, we'll take I, it. I mean, it really was. I said to Tony before we went on now, I said, you know, it's such a lax pass into the middle without really even checking. It was just a half hit passing to the most dangerous area on the pitch really I mean, you know most populated area as well and uh, really could have cost us on another day surely they would have they would have scored that Carlisle no I might think everyone's nervous the crowd are nervous the management are nervous the players are nervous things will go like that but we've got to keep we've got to keep at it we're not, we're not up until there's a P next to our name on the, on the league table we're not champions until there's a C and it, it next to our name so let's go for it and let's be as confident as we can be yeah I mean Simon uh, Richie wasn't too happy I think with one or two of the fans behind him was he no I don't blame him I mean I've had enough of them as well in all honesty I'm I'm fed up with the moaning about passing out from the back it's really doing my head in it's like most people are fine but there, there is noises about passing the ball and retaining possession that is how we've played all season that's why we're top of the league you can literally see space opening and more often than not, on Saturday, there was controlled passing, space opening into Elmiz. He turns and then he sets Monker or um, Smith three. It, for me, I just think people need to calm down and realise that this is how we're playing football and it's not 1991. Well, we haven't even been behind in a game in six months, so... Where the moans come from, I don't understand. I think it's like anything in life, Tony. The, the, the more you do, the less they're appreciated, you know. And it's taken for granted to a point. I mean, here we are with, well, a handful of points, uh, you know, a couple of games grace, if you like, um, in front at this stage of the season. You know, most people would have bitten your hand off for that. And it must be quite hard for Richie Wellens, you know, to, to, to take stick when, you know, you think, hang on, you lot. You know, you, you know, three or four years ago, you were in the non-league and here you are. We're, we, you know, we're on the brink of going back to where we were in 13-14 and, and you're, you're on my back. I don't, I don't know if it's a West Side thing. I mean, I moved from the West Side to the East Side in the close season purely because I was a couple of people joining me to a block of three and it's easier to get a decent block of three in the East Side than the West Side. But... Um, we're reasonably positive over at Iceside. I noticed they came over to celebrate with us first. I don't know, I don't know if there was something in that. And um, even Richie Wellens alluded to it a little bit in his interview, which might be coming up in a minute. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Everyone uh, get behind the scene. Simon, you. sorry, go on just uh, before we hear from no, Richie. No, I, I mean, I was just going to say, I think it is the odd voice. I don't think it's overwhelming people, but it, it's always the, the odd voice that speaks the loudest that, yeah. that then, you know, that's going to get, yeah, really, you know, really annoyed me at the end. We was everyone was so happy. What a great feeling to win on Saturday! It felt brilliant, didn't it? But mm. when you see that Richie's clearly annoyed with the fans or a handful of fans, you don't want to see your manager doing that, especially someone who's taken us to where he's taken us. And Richie Wellens is the best thing to happen to Orient since Justin Edinburgh and, and Kent and Nigel. Like we need to be supporting him, and I think people need to get a grip and that is Simon's rant for the day I think well I think the thing is uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a long season 46 matches obviously and you're going to get these these pits and you know falls where, where you, you peaks and, and, and troughs and every team goes through a little bit of a sticky time where 
you know, they are the drawing or they just lose a couple of matches. And we haven't lost that many games. I mean, you know, we've been drawing perhaps when we, we could have won. And obviously, I think the one where, you know, justifiably people were a bit frustrated was probably Colchester. You know, I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was lax. And, and, you know, the players will be kicking themselves. And I'm sure Richie kicked them, <laughs> you know, at the end of the game. Because there, there was, that was probably justifiable that people were very frustrated and it felt like a defeat. But, you know, you're going in a game like this where it's tight. All these teams are up the top there, you know, and, and the results went our way, you know, and, and I said to Tony before we went on air, I think if that happens again on Saturday where it's asking a lot where, you know, teams two, three and four don't t- pick up max points and we do, I think we're pretty much home and dry, you know, I think I we've think, done it. I think Rich, you should, you should come in with a handful of laminated league tables really and start handing, you know, nip up the, nip up the stairs and start handing yeah, to him. He's still like, a guy, I mean, people, really, you, know. you know, some of us, like you, Tony, and, and, and me, you know, we go back a long way <laughs> and we know standing there in an empty stadium with, you know, 1,800 people at the foot of Division 4, as it was then, you know, on a cold Friday or, or Saturday evening or whatever, or Saturday night, you know, and, and you think, what a load of old who you've watched and it was and you see where they are now and you think you know he's still complaining it's like no <laughs> anyway let's hear from uh, Richie Wellen shall we Richie are you checking up, you checking up on me <laughs> Richie thanks for joining us congratulations a massive win players are outstanding um, I think in the first 20 minutes it was a bit nervy from both teams but when you're trying to play like the way that we play compared to the way that they play to be fair they passed it a little bit today but it can always be a little bit nervy trying to trying to do it our way. So it was a little bit sketchy first 20 minutes. I thought then we grew into the game and some really nice passages of play. But then I think from 45 minutes to to the sending off, I thought it was brilliant. Brave, brave, passed the ball, took risks at times. But um, I thought the players take all the, the players take all applauded today. They're outstanding. We set up a game plan from um, and when a manager when you, as a manager when you drive up. When you leave your own house at half four in the morning, you get to train and you drive back to Bradford and you get in late and they put a performance in terms of the effort like that, then it's so rewarding. I just think the players are, are, are different class. And it was a game where they had to show character and they did? Every game you have to show character. And um, I think sometimes it's more difficult because people have gone, oh, they've, they've let a lead slip a couple of times. Um, but that happens when teams go 1-0 down um, or 2-0 down. They have nothing to lose. They, they come up with different systems you throw bodies forward and all of a sudden it can be chaos at times and you just need to to, to adapt I think we, we in the last few weeks we have gone a little bit passive in terms of dropping that extra five or six yards which is understandable but I think today even when at times with ten men we have to go a little bit deeper but I thought our line was good I thought it was aggressive and, and we limited Carlisle to before the sending off I can't remember having one chance and then they had the chance at the end where, where Hunt he's played a square pass and he's a bit of a miscommunication and, and obviously the lad goes Brown Viggs and, and Bex clears it so um, apart from that um, we was pretty comfortable at the end but you know they've got some threats in the attacking third Armour put some good deliveries in they've got four strikers you know whether it's two that start and two that come on different different pairing um, they've got some they've got some good players uh, second yellow card that's why Charlie Kalman saw red and both seem to be unnecessary well, I think the referee was a little bit soft today and once you set a precedent for bookings um now, every little touch seemed to be a to be a booking or to be a free kick. So I don't think we need to comment on that. I think it was a booking. So Charlie does deserve to be to be sent off for the second one, the first one. I'm not sure. And could Owen should Owen have had a penalty or two? Um, 
I can't see from here, Dave. It's really difficult. Um, Paul Smith is one of them players that is quick and he can manipulate the ball very quickly and entice people in. But I couldn't. I've not seen it back. I've not seen, it, so I wouldn't like to comment. Um, luckily, in the end, it didn't really matter. And the substitutes had a positive impact, particularly Walter Tuya. I thought tactically today, even when we went to. The ten men, we was brave. We played four-three-two, split the two strikers, and allowed their two centre backs to have it. Um, I thought tactically, we was very, very good, and the players. Um, but we could have been better first half. But I think once we got it, especially when they changed system after, I think it was 20, 25 minutes. Then um, I thought the players were really good. I don't want to single out individuals too much, but I thought Hunt on his return to the starting eleven, and Idris Elmazuni midfield were outstanding. There's a reason why I signed Hunt for three clubs. Class player composed, knows the game, puts his body in positions where he can he can defend well. I wasn't happy with him when he played that square pass after after 90 minutes, whatever it was. So um and um and I've it just we, we was worried about him a little bit from 65 minutes to 75. Um because he just looks tired. Obviously I don't know how these players cope with Ramadan and and and, and keep their energy levels up. In the end when I'm thinking should I substitute him I thought the last 15 minutes his energy levels returned so um Again, I wouldn't like—I wouldn't single anyone out. I thought from from Viggs all the way through to to Kelman, and, and then when Driz come on, I thought every single player put a, a right shift in and um, and deserved the win. We can still hear some of the supporters. It was a terrific atmosphere, particularly in that second half. Yeah, it was, especially on the far side. But um, I spoke earlier in the week about being nervous. Brilliant, being nervous. This is a, exactly this is what we work all week. Every single day we come train, every time that we put a session on, every time that I go and watch an opposition play, we do it because there's an expectancy on us and there's an expectancy to perform in training and then we bring it on to games. And we, the expectancy this year was to be in a position like this and to make us nervous and to want to be in this position and, and thrive on it. So um, today I thought the energy from the players, they thrived on it. We're playing out from the back. Some, a lot of the 99% of the fans were, were fantastic there's still a couple behind me lump it forward come on we lost our identity last week we deserve to lose at Hartlepool because we played too many long passes today when we got it right ok the pitch isn't great there's a few bubbles and Sully popped in a pocket and, and it bubbled up and we give a free kick I don't care I don't care the players are good enough to play if they're not good enough to play then I won't do it um, but if you watch us all season and you go, that was a best, that was a great performance. That was a great performance. That was a great performance. It's all when we pass the ball. So I'm really pleased because the players are brave. We pass the ball, and I think from from 45 minutes to when we scored, I think we took the game away from Carlisle. And a weekend when the top six played each other, and you're the only side to win. Um, yeah, I think Bradford won today. No, Brad, I, yeah, Bradford won. So I still think Bradford are a threat for the for the um, <clears throat> for the tops potentially top three um, simply because they're the biggest club in the league you have a big budget and probably they've got the best manager in the league so they'll still be a threat um, and it doesn't matter what what I don't get I don't get too reactive because everybody if you win a game you look up and if you lose a game you look down so I'm not we've got a big weekend we've got two fixtures Friday Monday next weekend one at home and a tough game away at you know a real informed team at the moment so um, we just keep going your former club you know them well so for City on Good Friday yeah I went to watch them last night um, I thought Stockport were really good could have been free up in the first 20-25 minutes but then in terms of technical footballers they're up there with the best teams in the league so um, I would imagine it'll be a, a good football match and um, it's another exciting game to, to go into and is it one that Theo could be playing in 
potential. He, he, he trained yesterday and he was just a little bit apprehensive. He still he was a little bit scared of tackling. And when you have a knee injury, whether it be especially the inside of your knee, when you do that block tackle, you always worry about opening up. So um, maybe, obviously, it gives us a, a thought now because Driz has got a, a sore hamstring. He's just come off. He's got a sore hamstring, and obviously Kelman will be um, will be suspended. So. I've watched enough of them to, to come up with a plan and obviously it's going to need a change of personnel. And it's been good to see Dan Happy back in training this week. Yeah, listen, every time I see Dan, he lights up my face because he's a great character. Um, bit of deja vu actually at the moment because 12 months ago I come in and he was he was injured and he kept looking at me going, Gaff, you going to speak to me? And I'm like, no yet, not yet, Dan. You're no interest to me, injured. Only, that's a joke, by the way. Um, because people do take things out of context and try and manipulate what I say sometimes. Like, when I said that Sweens was at fault for the goal last weekend, listen back, I didn't say that. Yeah, they, full-back, made a decision to put it through to the... When we had the same situation, we didn't do that. So, don't read too much into it. I love Dan. And now, obviously, he's injured again, and I'm walking past him every morning thinking, I wish he was fit. Um, But no, great lad. Um, Good smile, good positive energy around the place. As The biggest positive today... Listen, the players are outstanding the fans were brilliant in the stadium but you see every single player was on the pitch at the end of the game so I've had to leave a number of players out of the squad and it's the worst thing as a manager when when they've got great attitudes and they're great lads it's, it's so so hard but that's what's got us in this position the team spirit and the collective um, you know the mates they are good lads and they want that end goal so that was really pleasing to they're all out there they're all celebrating and obviously congratulating the teammates Exciting times. Well done. Thank, Thank you, Richie. You. Thank you. There you go. That's Dave Victor, of course, talking uh, to Richie Wellens. And before we move on to our main guest this evening, Mr Kent Digg, uh, what did you make of uh, Mr Wellens' comments, Simon? I think it oh, was... Oh, sorry, Tony, sorry, go on. Yeah, I think it emphasised the fact... I mean, listening to it again, I mean, I listened to that not long after the game, but listening to it back, I mean, it was, yeah, it was very much 99% of the crowd entirely behind the team or whatever. Maybe we get behind the team slightly earlier in the game. That's something we could think about doing on Easter Monday when we're all back there again. But um, yeah, we're, we're all we're all very excited, and some of us get a bit nervous, and that's where it goes to. I think at the end of the day, Simon. He touched on um, Theo probably not being back for Friday, um, and I still I felt we're still we are missing Theo, and it looked like on Saturday. He's, Theo's tall. He's got a he's got a bit of height about him. He's pretty strong. We were missing that extra element of height and strength up front in those attacking roles. I think on Saturday so they were a big team, Carlisle. They they we didn't have that extra outlet, and I think we were missing that. So the sooner we can get Theo back towards the, the for the run in, I think the better for Theo's. Okay, thanks very much. Now we're going to move on to uh, Kent Teague, who spoke earlier with uh, Simon and Steve Tung. Uh, I will say that uh, there were some internet problems uh, with the Zoom call, and uh, I don't know whether Kent wasn't pedalling fast enough on the uh, on, on the electricity cycle or something, but uh, it cut out quite a few times, and we've had a few problems with the signal, etc. So we've had to uh, re-edit it all and in a rather hurried fashion. So do forgive us as a few little breaks here and there uh, on continuity. We've done our best to quickly uh, put it together. So uh, we'll pass over now to uh, Steve Tung, uh, talking earlier with Kent Teague. Well, Kent, welcome. At a time when I imagine, like the rest of us, you're feeling pretty good about Leighton Orient. 
Yeah, Saturday definitely changed uh, the perspective and the table. I'm not sure it really changed the math that much. Um, we've been playing with this lead that we have all season and in certain ways increasing it as we go along. We've played really well all season, deserve to be where we are. Uh, and now we just got to finish it. We just have to finish it. And we've got to make sure that when the games run out, the math stays the same as it is right now. Yes, we tended to say recently every game is a big game, but Saturday I think really felt like it. And and if you were watching yep. the stream, I hope the atmosphere came over from the ground. I happen I have to enjoy being at my mom and dad's this this last weekend. So on Saturday, uh, there were a number of Teagues that were screaming uh, very loudly at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still say if, but uh, if we get promoted, mm -hmm. are you and the board now confident about the financial aspects of, of League One football? So for League One, uh, we, of course, have said for years that the stated goal of our ownership group is to get us back to where we say we belong, which is League One. Uh, we started saying that in 2017, and so we have constantly been looking up at League One, and there are preparations that are already being made for us to be in League One. Uh, we have a summer transfer window that's going to be very important, whether we are or not in League One. That's a, still a super important transfer window. Uh, we know that there are things that we're going to have to adjust uh, in order to make sure that the club is a sustainable League One club. And that occurs not only on the pitch or on the grass, but everywhere throughout the club. Because we believe that Leighton Orient has to deserve to be a League One club in all aspects of us being uh, a club, not just, you know, the, the team or the side. And we've got a women's team that is most likely, again, to get promoted this year. Um, and so we're doing a lot of things in the academy, uh, but specifically around the side, we already know approximately what we need to set the budget at for next year, and we're willing to go out and spend that money. And when we say a budget for League One, we mean an appropriate League One budget to where we know that we can be competitive. Um, that doesn't mean that we're trying to be competitive at, you know, the double step, which is, you know, win, win League Two, win League One. Hello, championship. Um, I, I don't think we're in that level of spending or that level of, uh, you know, a player budget. But we definitely believe that we should expect to finish, you know, no lower than mid-table for sure. Okay, so Simon, let's continue the, the financial aspect. Um, over to you. So, Kent, how much with the increase in season cards and match day prices for next year, um, how much is that actually going to impact the club's finances? Like, is it going to reduce the loss or does it just kind of keep us treading water going into next season? No, we just keep treading water. Okay. And and the re and the thing is, we tread water because um, if you look at 
player contracts, the standard player contract, when a player is a part of a promotion team or a, when a player is a part of a team, they typically have in their contract an if we get relegated, my pay goes down to X, and if we get promoted, my pay goes up to Y. And there are certain players that we brought in this year, and they promised us they would do everything they could to help us get promoted, and we promised them that if they got helped get us promoted and we got promoted, that they would then be paid a league one wage. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that the season cards and, and, and all of that, that makes a difference. It definitely makes a difference. It's not that, Oh, well, uh, no, it makes a difference, but, and the amount of money that we would get being in league one versus league two makes a difference. Um, There's a lot of things that make a difference, but for us, we still are in that same basic financial loss around a million, a million and a half, two million, somewhere in there. Um, it's just the way that is just the way for us that the economics of the EFL lay out for us um, and, and kind of the way we feel like we have to do it in order to be competitive and remain competitive. So, Things like talk around the possible TV deal, seeing that the 3 p.m. blackout might end in the future. I'm guessing that's something potentially you're excited about. Yes. means we get a better share of revenue. And is that all part of the thinking for the future and planning? There are a number of governmental, Premier League, EFL initiatives that are going on that are trying to structurally adjust football in such a way, the EFL specifically, such that the championship doesn't lose as much money. League one is a league. League two as a league. There are initiatives in the National League uh, to not lose as much money as a league overall. Um, and there are a number of different, there are two different styles. <clears throat> one style, <clears throat> excuse me. One style is change the revenue model and hold costs in a fixed scenario so that you're not, you don't lose as much money as a league. The second scenario is don't worry about the revenue, just hold costs at a certain level and don't let it go up. And, you know, the revenue then that way the revenue will cover those costs over the longer term as people raise ticket prices and increase deals for TV and that sort of thing. And e- either of those could work and neither of those could work. If the, cr- if the cost controls don't really control the costs, if the revenue just gets put into higher wages or higher costs like water and electricity and things like that. So there, it's not, there's no way that a person can say, I'm going to go change this one thing about how football works and it's going to work. Doesn't work like that because there's too many things that are causing us to consistently have losses as a league or as different leagues there are too many different factors that cause that in order to say, 
and they'll fix one thing and it's going to fix it all. So it's not a TV deal that'll fix it. It will help. It's not a distribution deal that'll fix it. It'll help. It's not a cost control measure um, that says you can only spend a certain percentage of your revenue. That'll help, but it doesn't necessarily fix it. So uh, it's a complicated challenge. Um, I've got a question here from Warren. Um, is there a new five to seven year plan for when, if we reach League One? Um, and I think the heart of this is, are you going to stick around for the long haul? Um, and if you are, um, oh my thinking about that. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, I'm the turnaround guy. Guess what? We're turned around. <laughs> so that's job done. Congratulations. I'm very proud. Very ha- Well, it's not job done, but almost done. Uh, let's figure out. I hope that by the end of April, it's job done, right? I, honestly, I don't want to have to go to Bradford and get three points to get promoted. I'm just giving you a heads up. I don't want to play that game. I, I like the style where we have to draw against the worst team in the table in order to win the championship. Remember that day? I do remember that day. Okay, so five to seven-year plan. Um, five to seven-year plan. Yes, there is a there are a number of five to seven-year plans right now, um, and we as a board are trying to figure out how aggressive we want to be about saying things like when we may be in the championship. So that's what it's about, right? There's two styles, and basically one style is let's just be happy and be a very consistent, sustainable League One club, and let's just play at our level or that level, and let's just be that. And then there are others, no, no, and completely understand why. They're like, no, 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 no. Let's go to championship. Let's push for championship. Let's push as hard and as fast as we possibly can. Um, and so right now, <clears throat> there is no consistent five to seven year plan. When Nigel and I got together in 2017, there was a very consistent plan. Now, I say it a certain way and others say I said it a different way, which is fine uh, because it's going to work out. But, you know, back then it was League One six to eight years um, because we thought it would take three or four years to get promoted in into out of the national league. And then three or four years out of, out of league uh, league two. And we were wrong about the national league. <laughs> and everybody knows why we were wrong because it didn't take three or four. So we got lucky or whatever, but um, yeah. So what is the, but I can tell you that there is no plan that says, uh, let's go be a yo-yo team. Let's let's jump up into League One and then let's, you know, let's run the risk. Four years. Okay. History says that they do that sort of thing. Leighton Orient's history does not presuppose that this is even possible in a certain way. So we're excited to be that group. And now where do we go from here? It's League One at least. And there are other conversations being had. 
Okay, some yeah, some good questions on uh, Facebook and and the forum today. Thanks to Warren and Ben and Tony and others asking about ground redevelopment. Um, the consensus certainly seems to be that we have to do something about the East Stand quite quickly. Um, not sure what the definition of quickly is. We have looked at East Stand redevelopment for the last four years. Um, there are a number of options that have been put on the table. There is a borough that has ideas and conversations around what they would want to see and what they would approve. Um, there are definitely areas of the East Stand uh, that need to be improved and need to be looked at and thought about. We have made investments in structural investments in the East Stand, the roof and things like that. Um, and there is a need, there is no doubt that there is a need uh, to upgrade that that infrastructure. The question is, part, part of the question is, do we do that in in concert with something in the West Stand or the South Stand. The North Stand is pretty much stuck because we can't cover up those windows. There are a lot of options for the East Stand, and a lot of different things that we're looking at. Um, and, I mean, we're going to do what we can do and what we have to do. Uh, to, you know, upgrade or redevelop or make the East Stand in some ways livable. Um, Stephen says, would you need a lot more external investment maybe earlier than planned to, to do that if it was a, a really major refurbish? Yes. Right. I don't That's... know. I don't know what. See, here, here again, we get to what's the definition of major refurbished? Yeah. If we want to, I'll just give you an example. Like the West Stand, that, and we would have to have, and we already are having a lot of conversations with Barry. So there are a lot of different options of how you make this particular ground work long term for Leighton Orient. Yes, I mean, and without being negative about it, um, is there some danger possibly of just getting a bit of ahead of ourselves? I mean, if, if we were to go into League One and have a couple of difficult seasons, crowds could actually drop off a bit from where they are now, couldn't they? Correct. That That is the, to be honest, this is the difference between American pro sports and English professional sports. Promotion and relegation is the greatest thing on the planet. Promotion and relegation causes the inability to absolutely know what league you're in. American sports don't face that. They know exactly what league they're going to be in for all time. And they can build stadiums based on the league that they're in and the governmental agencies that assist them in building those stadiums can know that. English football, you cannot know 
in what league you're going to be in two, three, four, five years. No, I can see that problem. Just just one more on the ground um, before Simon comes back. Um, someone's asking on the forum about the relationship these days with Barry Hearn and, and Matchroom. Um, how involved is Barry and does it make life difficult at all that we or, or you don't actually own the ground? Major League Soccer. Sorry, we lost you a little there, Kent. Are you back? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I'm back. Sorry about Don't worry. Um, while we're talking about the ground, a question on the uh, Lake Orient Forum asking about the relationship these days with Barry Hearn and, and Matchroom. How involved is he these days? And does it make life difficult in any way that we or you don't actually own the ground is the question. A uh, couple different questions there. Our relationship with Matchroom is fantastic. In fact, there's a member of Matchroom that comes to every one of our board meetings named Matt Porter. So from a Matchroom perspective, we're in great shape. Uh, Barry happened to be at the last game I was at. So, you know, he obviously is very interested in how we're doing and um, loves spending time with Barry. Um, He is just a phenomenal, y'all would say, lovely guy. Um, He really is. Uh, Not owning... The not owning the ground does not impede us in any way, shape or form, because the relationship that we have with Barry and the conversations that we have with Barry are more like we co. Sorry. Hey, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Because because of the way that our because of the way the lease is structured, the relationship with Barry and with the pension group um, and all of that forces us to act more like co-owners than adversaries in the stadium football club situation. And so there is nothing that I remember in the past, a, and I think maybe abated some of our payments on the stadium. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Y'all are you turning off all the stuff, Luke? Just yeah, audio. Turn off, your, turn off your video to see if that helps because it's breaking up quite a lot at the moment. Okay. Right. Okay, okay. no problem. Okay, just so carry the, on. So Ken. the short so the short answer is there's no conflict. There hasn't ever been any conflict and there's nothing that causes us to have a strained or a relationship strain with, with the pension group or Barry. Good. That's good to hear. And just one yeah. more from me about, um, well, estate and so on. Um, you're committed to a new training ground, we know, as a priority. And, and it's important to to buy that as opposed to rent it. Yes. Uh, no. Um, no. no, there are there are a number of different sites that we've been looking at over the last year or so. Some of them are sites where they become an asset of the football club, and some of them, they are simply a long-term lease situation, but not really, not, not really in the sense of us owning the, you know, the, the, um, the training ground, um, and all supporters for the last few games, most of which I gather you'll be here for, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward to the last 
six games of the season. And my message to the fans is really simple. Just enjoy um, what we're going through. I mean, the season has been above expectations. Our position in the table has been above expectations. And we've been fortunate to play really well consistently throughout the year. Uh, a lot of people in the league believe that we have the best team and that we are appropriately slotted at where we sit. So now what I want to caution the fans about is the belief that because of <clears throat> how we've done and where we've been, now their expectations have become that we're just going to run away with the league. And that's a dangerous uh model to live in because most seasons most people never run away from the league um so things could tighten up between here and the end it doesn't mean we won't get promoted and it doesn't mean that we won't have a really good chance of winning the championship um but things are probably going to tighten up because statistically uh we're a little outside of the norm to the high end and that doesn't mean that we won't stay there because every once in a while teams outperform the statistics. So hopefully that will be us. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be thrilling. Some parts are going to be um, crying. <laughs> and just remember, this is Leighton Orient, so you know it's going to be dramatic. Um, but I'm really looking forward to being there, really looking forward to enjoying it with everyone. And, uh, you know, my, my primary message is always the same, which is up the O's. Well done, Kent. Thanks very much. And I should say uh, several people on the Late Orient Forum there did want to say thank you to you and Nigel for all you've done in getting us where we are here, here to that. And so we hope uh, next time we see you in person, which I think will be at Sutton, we'll be closer and closer to a real celebration. Thanks very much. No doubt. Thanks for all y'all's time. Appreciate it very much. All right, thanks. Bye. There you go. That was uh, Kent Teague speaking with our Simon and Steve Tung uh, earlier on today. As I say, it was a, 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 a signal beset with problems, but um, hopefully it was pinned together reasonably well and, and slightly coherent. We do apologise for that. It's never happened like that before, and uh, everyone was astounded at what happened. But we got round it, didn't we, Simon? Yeah, we did. And I just want to put on record, it was definitely Kent's internet and not mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's blame Kent. So it is easy when he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> no, we, we, there was some problem on the line. But anyway, we got around it, got the gist of that, Tony. And I think one of, the, one of the surprising things that came on that was when Steve said about the training ground and he, he took it for granted that we would be looking to buy one. And Kent said, no. No, that... Yeah, that was something new in it. I mean, obviously, we, we all know the training ground that they've got at the moment well because it's not too far away from us here in Cheekwell. And it, seemed, it seems to be still a certain amount of hush-hush and secrecy about where the new training ground is going to be, which is you, you wonder when, we're actually, when they're actually going to tell us. And now there's a certain amount of hush-hush about whether we're going to buy it or whether we're going to rent it. But, yeah, the performances in the pitch are the thing that is always going to worry more fans than that side of things, but... Hopefully we'll get to find out in due course. Yeah, I mean, the thing, Simon, with the, with the renting, do you think uh, perhaps because they're sitting on the fence with moving the ground, they would rather rent temporarily while they, while they you know, pontificate further about moving or staying? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't... I think the finances is so complicated, and Kent alluded to it. There's so many things to take into account. So many variables, so many things can change. Maybe renting is a safer option than committing and finding the right place. Mm. And, but, I mean, yeah, it was, it was really interesting, I think, him talking about... There, it seems like there's lots of different scenarios planning, lots of different financial scenario planning, which is what you've got to do, obviously, in a, in a big business. And mm. um, it was kind of non-committal as well on, on plans for the future, which, is, which, was, unex- no, which was expected, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, um, it's good that he's going to be over for the, rem- for the, for the run-in, basically. He said he's going to be here as, he's, he doesn't know how long he's going to be here. It's just whether he's going to be here for like a month or a couple of weeks, depending on when the celebrations begin. Well, Not that anyone's counting the chickens, but people are, I would say, just having a little look in the farmyard to see roughly how many there are. Yeah, yeah. Are there enough eggs to go around? That's just the thing. I mean, the, the, the thing is, Tony, he's saying about the, the, the renting, etc. but with promotion if we get it and you're looking at league one the variables are that the championship as it is 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 you know it can't be sustained it can't sustain a club really very well in the championship with a setup they've got the wage bill the the amount of speculation needed to to really maintain a position in there the things have got to change haven't they i think the whole setup of football has really got a a, a big change i think probably why the club are are keen on 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 wage caps yeah i mean you almost got the impression that in his heart of arts they've given up a little bit on sustainability i remember danny macklin talking about all the time we've got to get to a position where you know income (coughs) and expenditure gets somewhere close to each other there's there was the, the theme there was but we're always going to lose a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he's he's the man who's signing the checks at the bottom end of it. So as long as he's happy, then we can carry on on that basis. But um, yeah, you 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 think you you got the theme the theme from the interview that I got was that you know we're going to have to handle the fact that uh, football isn't sustainable in its present model. And while there's a few little things going on in terms of trying to restrict expenses and boost, boost income, that's the way it's going to be. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll uh, have a little listen to uh, this week's Victor's View. What's a difference a win makes? And Saturday's felt so significant. Matt Porter's tweet afterwards recalled the victory at Sutton United when the O's went on to secure the National League title. And there were so many similarities. The O's finishing with 10 men, a degree of good fortune about the winning goal. Above all, a performance based on grit, determination and character, demonstrated by the brilliant goal-line clearance from Omar Beckles, followed by that all-important touch from Lawrence Vigrou to foil Mellish. Orient's defensive record, the best in the league. The stats speak for themselves. Simply astonishing. Only eight conceded at home. The best in the top four divisions. Lawrence Vigrou has played in all 38 league games. He's kept an incredible 21 clean sheets. Idris El Mazzouni, again exceptional on Saturday post-match, and it was interesting to hear Richie Wellens explain how the O's talented midfielder have maintained his incredibly high energy levels during Ramadan. This really is a special group of players. Listening to other podcasts at the weekend showed how Saturday's win had transformed expectations. Prior to the game, on the Bruntle Bugle, they were predicting a scenario whereby Carlisle had maintained their impressive run of results at Brisbane Road, recording another win, and that would be followed on Good Friday with United beating Tramere. If Leighton Orient were to lose at Salford, Paul Simpson's side would have been just two points behind the O's. But at half-time, I was joined by George Sessions on Orient Live. 
five. And the former sports journalist for the Ilford Recorder thinks that we may have to wait until the visitor crew on the 22nd of April to secure the deal. That just happens to be George's birthday. Both George and I feature on the podcast The Circus Upstairs, produced by Matt Simpson and James Masters. And listening to the first four episodes provides a chilling reminder of just how fragile football clubs are and how it takes more than just money to secure success. And we are so fortunate that Late Noins now have a board of directors headed by Nigel Travis who understand and care about our football club. They have back manager Richie Wellens. They deserve success. And you can be sure that the O's boss will want to ensure that his side don't take anything for granted as he prepares to take on his former club, Salford City, on Good Friday. The Amis, currently second in the form table, winning three of their last six. They've got a good record at Moor Lane. It's going to be a fascinating encounter. I've been following the O's now for over 53 years. Seasons like this are rare and very special. Eight games remain. Let's make the most of each and every minute. Thank you, Dave. Victor, as usual, 53 years. Oh, and he's still coherent. <laughs> That's an unusual thing. There you go. It's, uh, Dave, like, like uh, yourself, Tony, and like me, has seen a lot of uh, downtimes, and that's why you, when you get these good times, you've got to savour them, haven't you? Enjoy every moment. You know, and that's yeah, no, what I think. So, what I always laugh at is any of the young kids that have come along and this is their first season. They probably think it's always like this, you know. So, uh, hopefully, I mean, well, hopefully, it is, we're on the cusp of good times and uh, a resurgence, if you like, to uh, get back to what was the stability, I suppose, of the uh, 1970s. And uh, the club, you know, all right, you know, they did have a few relegation battles, but they, they hung in there in what is the championship for, what, 12 years. So, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can be on the cusp of doing something like that again. But uh, you know, just coming back to um, to to Kent and um, he, he, w- he was talking about the the main stand again, the old main stand, and um, what could be done, what couldn't be done. And uh, you know, you get the the trouble with that stand is it's 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 almost good money after bad, isn't it? Because as fast as you repair one thing on it, another thing's falling down. You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy sitting there. I pay for a season ticket there, and I, I, I renewed. I found out if I renewed my season card Saturday night. I can't think why that came to my head. Now. Must have been. <laughs> well, well <laughs> must done. Must have been the joy of winning, but yeah. You know. There you go. You're on a high at the time, That's a natural right. high. No, but um, you know, you know what you know what you're paying for, and um, you can get out to the, the East Stand quicker than most of the other stands in the in, in the club. That's one thing. You're the first one up the Leighton Station, which if you have a bad day, is not a bad thing. But we're not having too many of them at the moment. No, we're not. Anyway. We'll have another Roper's rant, shall we, and hear what Matt Roper's got to say about things. Being a football fan is all about emotion, and in the space of three minutes on Saturday, O's fans went from nervousness to sheer elation as Stevenage equalised against Northampton and ruled Soteriu, albeit courtesy of two lovely angled deflections even Einstein would have been proud of, notch what proved to be the only but vital goal of a tight affair against Carlisle. Suddenly, come 5pm, the League Two table looked a lot rosier in this little corner of East London as we went back to the top of the form table and took a giant stride towards the third tier. Are we home and hosed? Well, not quite yet. But even as Leighton Orient fans are accustomed to disappointment as we are, you'd be a fool to bet against us now. Especially with some bookies offering no better prices than 100 to 1 on us going up. So perhaps the message here is to get the champagne on ice and ready to pop the cork. The 90 minutes as a whole on Saturday showed exactly why we are where we are. 
The first half was a little cagey. And give Carlisle their due. They pressed us well, particularly at the back, as we attempted to play out with a brand of Wellens ball that has served us so well this campaign. We did ever show our mettle and limited United to very few chances, plugging away, attempting to be, as Richie said in his post-match press conference, brave to go out and get the three points. The second half, we were well in control, in my humble opinion. We looked the more likely to score. The midfield battle was heavily in our favour. And despite the odd heart bump moment, Beckles and Vigarou gave another masterclass in our defensive third. Even when Kelman got sent off, and as a side issue here, whilst he was a little silly maybe, I would rather my striker is chasing down balls and attempting to affect the game even at 1-0 than standing with his hands on his hips saying it's somebody else's problem. I thought we looked pretty comfortable and played out the last 15 minutes or so in exactly the right way and one that no doubt had the management team smiling from here to here and the supporters on their feet and cheering from the rafters. The last couple of weeks I've called for fans to become the 12th man and certainly on Saturday we rose to the occasion. The South Stand found their voices as usual. The North Stand gave it some and when somebody went to the front concourse of the West Stand, even we piped up behind Wellens charges helping us over the line. Moving forward, Friday won't be easy. The team from an attacking point of view may well have to pick itself, but as previously stated, we are where we are for a reason and the noisy class of 92 upstarts will hopefully find once again that this East London rock ain't for shifting, or at least not very easily. Another victory would be massive, but I think most of those fans will be happy with a point in Manchester and three at home to Harrogate. I stuck out the stat on social media on Saturday that if we manage one more win, then we hit the 80-point mark, meaning Carlisle in fourth would require 14 points just to level. That's at a rate of two points per game for the rest of the season, and even if we were defeated seven out of eight times. Happening? Not now. Last week, I said that 83 points is the magic number, so six points over Easter would, as far as I'm concerned, see us home and dry. But I'm confidently going to stick my neck out and say that if we bag a win on Friday, then we can really start number crunching and predicting at which game promotion is confirmed, and maybe even when the EFL League 2 trophy will arrive at Brisbane Road. Promotion for me would finally lay to rest the ghost of a certain Italian gentleman and would have seen us come full circle in 10 years. And what a mad 10 years it's been. But to get back to the level we were when we all suffered heartbreak at Wembley will confirm a massive turnaround in our fortunes and back up on the pitch just what the board have achieved in six short years. On a quick personal note, can I thank everyone that bought a copy of the latest Pandemonium fanzine last Saturday? And I'd like to remind fans that 25% of all our profits this year are being donated to a charity we all hold dear, the JE3 Foundation. Along with the Orient Hour, if you fancy getting involved and writing or selling for us, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. Let's face it, we're all the Orient family together. So it's eyes down, eight games to go, and nearly time to get the deck chairs and cigars out. But whether it's done or dusted, or whether we need another win here and there, let's raise the roof home and away. It might be another 50 years before we are competing for our next Football League title, so O's fans, make the most of it. Up the mighty O's. Well, thank you, Matt Roper. He's, uh, cigars and sunbit. Oh, my God, deck chairs. I mean, it's, it's a bit premature, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a nice thought, but is he putting the mockers on things? I don't believe in mockers. I don't believe in mockers, Andy. I think we're going to be fine. I'm excited. Yeah. 
was the, the show used to be on a Sunday night and I couldn't speak. I'd been shouting so much Saturday. I was as hoarse as a bear on Sunday nights. So yeah, Tuesday we used to be Sunday so, nights when we first started. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a different a different setup now. We're uh, it's it's a Wednesday night and it's been for several years now. But anyway, right? You mentioned Salford, uh, Richie's old club, and realistically, guys. Um, as long as we come out with something, I think would be uh, everyone would be pretty happy, wouldn't they? I think if we get a draw on on Friday, it'll be a great result. Move on to Monday, pretty sharpish. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, Salford's going to be a tough game. They they're a decent team. They're they're doing all right at the moment. You know, they're well in the mix. They're fighting for something. Um, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, you're nullifying a... them if you've drawn the match or you've nullified them, haven't yeah. you? I mean, I don't think they're a threat to Leighton Orient's position in the league, but they're still fighting and we're, mm. uh, you know, if we get a result, it's a, yeah, it'll be a good good Friday. Yeah, well, I used to live about 200 yards away, so I don't hate them as much as some of our fan base that appear to, appear to claim they hate them. But um, we would take a point on Friday, certainly. But it should be a good footballing game. They, they came out and tried to play when we had one of our best performances of the season to win 1-0 against them, to be honest, at our place, so... Look forward to it. Yeah, and um, of course, coming up, uh, of course, you've got Harrogate who uh, aren't doing too well and, uh, you know, almost fighting for their lives now. Um, that, so it's a difficult match for a different reason, but we should surely, uh, Simon, have enough in the tank. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Um, I suppose the obvious cliche is, is a potential banana skin. and But have we kind of got rid of those... Um, ghosts from our locker from where we kind of threw things away a couple of games ago um, yeah hopefully we'll get the job done over the weekend and we'll be on well on our way should, should be a very different game on Monday they're very much more of a front the back team but they're not quite as good at it as Carlisle, so we like to think we get a result there. OK, guys, well, I haven't got time to go through everybody's uh, pre- pre- predictions. We did ask from the other night, actually. So, Simon, uh, your two predictions, Salford and... Uh, well, I nearly said Huddersfield then. Well, that's a bit, bit, bit optimistic, wasn't it? I'm going to be really boring and say one all against Salford. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say... I think it's going to be a cagey 1-0 against Harrogate. Right. I'll, go for, I'll go for 2-0 against Havergut because every time I've said that in, in the club bar we've, we haven't lost so I'll stick with that and draw against Salford yeah maybe a 0-0 alright ok well I'm going to go for a, a 1-1 and I'm going to go for a 3-0 against uh, I nearly said it again honestly going blank here you know who are we playing sorry Havergut <laughs> I know thanks anyway thank you all for joining us tonight and thanks to Kent for uh, the interview thanks very much to Luke Lambourne for arranging it all and we'll catch you next time round 7 o'clock here next Wednesday ta-ta This is our club, we are proud So sing it up, sing aloud We were formed in 1881 The claps and Orient had so begun The old story on it runs We're late and Orient from E10 Whatever challenges come our way The Orient
Yeah. 